Hello and welcome to What We've Learned, episode six. As ever, I'm joined by Shane. Hello, Shane. Hello, Steve. How are we this week? I'm very well. Thank you very much. How are you? Uh, good, good. Wrestling with the demons of the internet. It seems that uh, the Zoom generation, as we should soon be called, uh, seems to uh, eat all of my bandwidth and my time. Uh, but good. Enough time, uh, hopefully, to talk about some interesting things. Um, where are we going this week, Shane? This week, it's all about account-based marketing, ABM, or as I prefer to call it, account-based marketing and sales. Well, not just you, Shane, as I suspect we'll find out. Um, I think that's a very good addition to that fairly used acronym uh, and actually maybe a, a good reason to, to start with the definition because it's something we can assume everybody knows about and everybody's doing. Um, it's certainly been hot topic for the last number of years, in fact, in our industry, but it doesn't mean everybody's doing it. So we thought it might be a good thing to, to look at. But why now, Shane? Why is it such a relevant thing to, to look at, do you think? I agree. I mean, it has become a hot topic um, before COVID, but I think particularly now when we've got limited resources, you know, lots of marketing teams have staff furloughed, resources tight, we have to focus on best opportunity, whether that's best opportunity in pipeline, whether that's best opportunity in securing big deals through renewals, um, focuses everything at the moment and I think that account-based marketing and sales has a key part to play in that. What about you? Yeah I agree it, it's not necessarily that we have to look at it right now just because of the environment. I think ABM is something you should be doing as good practice anyway um, regardless of whether you're focused on existing accounts or, or trying to penetrate into new ones or both so it does seem a logical time to look at it and actually it seems a logical place to start to define it as well so although you and I could kick this around Shane um, I did have the fortune of chatting to somebody earlier in the week uh, who is Mr ABM Andy Bacon um, who as we both know is a lead consultant for B2B marketing on the subject so Andy spends a lot of his time training and teaching and helping uh, lots of organizations with ABM and has developed a number of interesting assets to help support it. Um, so I had the time earlier in the week and I started with the very basic thing of, Andy, what is ABM? So it's a good question because I believe anyone you ask what ABM is, they'll give you a completely different answer. So, you know, the, the known definitions as described by B2B marketing and ITMSA, you know, treating a, mark, a customer as a market in its own right, aligning sales and marketing to specific high value accounts, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think the, um, there's a couple of challenges in terms of people understanding what ABM is. One is that uh, first it's got the word marketing in the title, which is not a good thing because everyone sees it as a marketing centric activity when it really, really is all about sales and marketing working together. Um, and the other is that many start their journey as, as, as you'd imagine by doing a Google search and um, a lot of marketing dollars is being spent by the tech vendors. So the natural conclusion is this is a, a new technology. So they start there, which is not the best place to start in my opinion. Interesting and, and classic problem with us marketeers of this desire to go to the shiny things. So is that a risk for us that we end up buying technology and then retrospectively thinking, oh, hold on a sec, this isn't the, the promise that perhaps we thought it would be. We haven't got the basics in place to, to actually target and, and get some kind of benefit, positive value out of our activity. 
Yes, that's absolutely right. It, it's not about technology. Um, it is a strategy. It's a, a way of thinking. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, there is a degree of transformation. Um, and the technology is an enabler to, to enable ABM at scale. But, but true ABM is all about relationship building and good quality communications. Technology helps, but it's not the prerequisite. It's part of the toolkit then. It feels, Andy, for me always, and often marketing feels a lot like this, it's, it's kind of advanced common sense. It's those pillars of good marketing being relevant and targeted in your messaging, but on a really focused level, If you, particularly if you're looking at really high-end one-to-one or one-to-few account-based marketing. Is that fair? Is that simple enough a definition? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, you know, as you say, right message, right people, right time. Um, and that's, the, I think, what's become overlooked um, by the by the transition to digital is that, you know, I describe it as, as mayfly marketing now, where campaigns are, are, are born, they reproduce and they die in, in a matter of hours, just like the mayfly. And I think we've lost a lot of quality in that process because we're just producing a lot of content at scale and the quality therefore inevitably erodes so that everything become, has to become slightly more generic or a lot more generic in many cases. So I think ABM is enabling us to sort of reset the dial a little bit and go back to go back to some of the fund marketing fundamentals um, and you know by that it means bespoke propositions which are based upon real insight of really understanding the challenges and opportunities that our clients are facing. Yeah, it's an interesting, right now as well, Andy, from a timing point of view, what does ABM mean given as we're recording this, we're in lockdown, we're in this COVID-19 environment, is ABM still relevant right now? I would argue absolutely more relevant than ever before. Um, in my re recent uh, blog for B2B marketing, I talked a lot about the sort of psychology and, I, and what's sort of going on in people's minds at the moment. And I think that if you look at what communications have been taking place to date, a lot of it has been, you know, we're still here, um, business as usual, et cetera, et cetera. It's very, very much sort of internally focused. And that's not surprising because many organizations have needed to embrace the lockdown. They've been focused upon their teams. It's all been internalized. Um, but where ABM is so relevant now is this principle of, of actually understanding what your customers uh, pain points are and seeking to add value and, and address those and of course you know whereas COVID-19 COVID doesn't discriminate and it's it's you know we're all victims the ways in which organizations are dealing with that and how it's impacted their business will be largely different and therefore to come out with communications that are generic it just seems totally wrong to me I think this is a great opportunity to demonstrate true empathy. And I know that's a word that's being banded around. Hopefully I was one of the first to use it. Um, real empathy for what our customers are going through and how we can align our skills and expertise, our products and services to help them navigate their way out. Um, so to my mind, ABM is really in tune with the moment. It's two interesting words, Andy, and your, your post really talks about this, as you said, that use of empathy. Uh, trying to talk and use communication which is about them rather than about us as you've said a lot's very 
uh, us focused in terms of that communication that's initially come out and then that word help which for me personally i'm a big fan of as a marketeer i think helpful really sells so a nice way of focusing on very tailored communication that's right for now and that's the other point i guess Andy, is the now is changing quite quickly um abm can still adapt i, I presume you need a more agile approach to it because what might have been helpful and useful and empathetic a few weeks ago maybe months ago is going to be different now is that fair possibly to an extent i think that um although uh we, we, we we're working our way through it I, I i get this sense that you know is everything going to return to normal um you know are we going to be in six months time looking back and saying what was all that about you know that is now business as usual I hope not actually. I hope that from this cloud there is a silver lining and we can you know we can take some take some lessons from it and, and, and adjust and therefore if that's true I think that many of the things that we've all learned over the course of the last weeks will become embedded and the way that uh, we behave and the way that organizations behave and the way that their needs will change perhaps permanently you know will things ever be the same again largely yes but in many ways nuances will suggest that maybe not so i think um you know abm is a long-term strategy it's not necessarily quarterly driven um it's about positioning yourselves for not just now but the future and therefore i think some of the trends and changes in behavior we're seeing will be become more you know, the norm interesting and, and it's a good point that it isn't just a sticking plaster or a campaign or disposable as you talked about this is a uh, an initiative that is for the long term it it feels often to me abm's like trying to start to turn a turbine it takes a while to get that momentum but once you do you, you get that energy that goes with it that you constantly are bringing out good quality the other end what about the immediacy though andy i mean lots of broader marketing talk is around it's just completely a sin to be thinking about new business um, there's no opportunity out there no prospecting as of a few months ago should be happening now uh, but do you think that's true uh, and is there a room for abm for prospecting or is it a case that actually anyone out there who's doing abm should really pivot it to make sure it's about looking after those customers that we've already got rather than going too aggressively for net new uh, you hit you hit a nerve with me now so um i think you know going back to your first question what is abm and i think many perceive it as a silver bullet to a broken demand gen system and they say they see the high you know, rois and they say this is this is what we should do and most organizations that i come in touch with at the beginning of their journey perceive it to be uh, all about net new when in fact uh, to my mind the best place to start and where real value can be gained and the lowest hanging fruit is with existing accounts for sure and and therefore at the moment ABM uh, more than ever should be applied to sort of wrapping your arms around your existing clients um, understanding how their needs have changed not taking stuff anything for granted uh, and improving and strengthening uh, the relationship you already have uh, and being able to move with them and not falling into the trap of, of complacency of assuming that just because we've got a great relationship today or have had one for some time doesn't mean to say that that's not going to change 
Um, and, and that is for sure where I would be focusing my ABM at the moment on, on existing accounts to improve um, and, and, and grow that business. As always, I think Andy Bacon provides great clarity over what account-based marketing and sales is and could be. I think the other lens that you started off with, Steve, at the beginning of the podcast is that it's a term that's used by lots of people. Perhaps they now realise they've been doing it for some time. Is that the case? Yeah, I think you're right, Shane. A, a, and Anne's got, Andy's almost got a zen-like state when he talks about ABM, which is really nice to listen to. It's very calming on the subject because there's a lot of noise around it and perhaps a lot of confusion. Um, I think he backs up your point as well, Shane, is that, as you said, this isn't, perhaps it's badly labelled. It's not just account-based marketing. It is account-based sales and marketing. Um, but equally, it's not just a quick fix. It's not something that we apply um, to try and close a, a monthly gap of lead quota or something like that. You do need to be a bit more cultural about how you approach it. I agree. I think it's very much it's a strategic approach to your market and you have to do that work first to understand is your company and your products, is it appropriate for them? And I think understanding that and doing that strategic research first, sometimes it's really obvious. I did a, a really interesting piece of work last year with Merce Drilling out of Copenhagen and while you're selling oil rigs, um, it's fairly obvious that you have a few potential clients around the world. So, you know, strategically, fantastic fit. But some other businesses, and as you found this in the case sometimes, Steve, it's not the right thing to do. No, absolutely. And, and first and foremost, actually, it's understanding your market. As always, it is. It doesn't matter to be ABM or whatever your activity. You need to know who it is you're trying to talk to, to communicate with. Um, and the environment in terms of the timing as well. And I think that's why ABM has had a lot more focus. I do apologise, Shane. ABMS, as we'll now <laughs> call it. Um, and maybe the S can stand for Shane as well. Um, but because it isn't so appropriate to go and look for new business right now, then, of course, keeping what you've got, really getting closer to those important big customers, it's a very logical reason to look at this as an, an initiative and a programme to start to either review or to kick off in the first instance. I completely agree. And I think that reviewing what you've got, a uh, part of that is looking at your infrastructure. Do you have a sales team that already supports key accounts? If you do, you're in a really good place. Um, so understanding what it is you offer at the moment, you know, do you have multi-million pound contracts? Um, the leaders in ABMS absolutely tend to be tech businesses at the moment. So, you know, the size of the accounts, the complexity of the products they buy, the complexity of the organisations that you're marketing and selling to. Um, all of those are big flags to say, if you're doing that global selling, big companies, big enterprise, then ABMS may be for you. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Again, it backs up what Andy said around because a lot of the noise is by the technology uh, space on this. It's very easy to assume that ABM just equals a technology purchase. And of course, it's a lot more than that. And indeed, if it's something that's new to anyone listening, you don't have to start by just opening your wallet to buy technology. I mean, there are ways of doing this in a, in a, in a manual fashion, aren't there, Shane, that doesn't rely on a technology install before you can start going with it. Absolutely. And I'm a great fan of the keep it simple approach, as you know. And I think what we're about to hear next from Andy is some top tips on exactly that as to where to start. 
Yeah, exactly. Let's hand back to Andy again, where I asked him also, if you're going to get started with it, where do you go and how do you avoid the mistakes that you could make as well? Um, I, uh, it's a good question. Thank you. I, I, I worked with uh, Andrea Clatworthy at Fujitsu on uh, the top 10 pitfalls of ABM, uh, which I delivered at uh, B2B Ignite, and many of those hold true. I think uh, for those starting out, I think the first thing is that everyone would say is that success in ABM largely depends upon this strength of sales and marketing alignment. Um, and the, the danger is when starting out of, of making this a marketing-led, marketing-centric program. And there's an awful lot of uh, work to be done in terms of uh, building the platform, uh, a transformation of the way that sales and marketing are working together, this true collaboration, shared goals, um, shared objectives, the groundwork, if you wish. This isn't a campaign. This isn't uh, uh, ends up that way, but in terms of to get the true value out of ABM and to ensure that it's successful, because uh, you can't afford to get it wrong because you'll lose trust and confidence, is very much about doing the groundwork. And for that reason, I published the ABM Value Pyramid, which really shows the foundational layers, which are quite difficult to measure because they're soft KPIs, but they are incredibly valuable in making sure that the whole uh, house of cards stands up. So of course, at the end of the day, you're looking for uh, a, a greater revenue, increased profit, uh, deals, deal speed, et cetera, et cetera, in the normal business terms. But don't overlook the practical bit about sitting down with the sales team and really understanding what their challenges are and how marketing can help sales become more productive, more effective um, to, to help, help their role. It's a good start, isn't it? It's, it's making sure those two parts of the business are, are functioning together. Yeah. And of course, as a marketeer, one of the bits I presume that's vital is once you've got that working party, we need insight. We need to understand these organizations, whether they're customers, prospects, or a bit of both. And that's what often I think marketing overlooks is the mm -hmm. salesperson's ability to give us that insight as well. Is, is that a a good place to go where else can we get insight as a marketeer so that when we start to form these messages we know they're going to be bang on to them and relevant to that audience you're absolutely right insight is is the key here um the danger of just talking to sales and clearly that's where you need to start is that sales don't know what they don't know they will have a relationship i mean i'm, I'm going to make some broad brush comments here and, and some people may wish to argue with it but sales don't know everything that's going on in that account they have a relationship maybe with certain members of a certain dmu and there will be silos within that customer where they perhaps haven't got visibility um, and there, there could be a lot of unknown unknowns and this is where marketing can real add real you know enormous value by coming to the table and saying right you told us everything about this account but we've also found out this you know x y and z uh, and in the meetings i've been with where an insight report having done some detailed third-party research you almost see their draw drop and they go you know where did you get this from i, I didn't know about that so it's really sort of turning, shining the torch on the blind spots. Um, it's not to say what sales tell you isn't valuable. It's just that we can enrich it 
uh, to enable maybe a fresh approach. And let's not forget that, you know, sales are just human at the end of the day and they love to live, you know, like any, like any of us, they live in their comfort zone. Um, and really, if we can enrich and uh, enable them by giving them insight that enables them to have a better quality conversation about new things, so much the better. Mm, it's a good point. As you say, it's not about salespeople. It's about any human and, and what dialogue or contact they have with that that organization i presume therefore and it goes to follow that any part of the business that's got a touch point with that organization that customer uh, or prospect but let's stick with a customer can can help round the picture from a first party point of view and and i'm thinking of customer support or on-site engineers even finance i guess from a point of view of how that side of things operates all of this must be good fodder for that marketeer to make sure they can just better understand that whole totality of a business Absolutely right. It's not. You're quite right. It's not. It, it's not all about sales. It's about the whole organisation effectively aligning themselves to that customer and looking at ways. You know the frustrational points. Now, how often do we, in our everyday lives, have a frustration? Our customer experience is compromised. All, all the beginning of it, the sale, etc., is wonderful, and then you know the after sales piece, the customer care piece, doesn't quite work to our expectations. And, you know, to your to your point, you know, finance, uh, you have some really gritty, irritable problem with with a financial part of the business. And they, they just don't seem to talk to one another. Mm. And the whole all the work that's been done is rapidly eroded because another division of your business doesn't get it. Yeah, indeed. That disconnect, as you said, is that this can't be a sticking plaster. It's got to be a, it's got to thread through the whole organization that. Once yeah. you've been lured in by the, the, the smart marketing, it's got to follow through that the delivery. It's got to deliver the promise. Absolutely. And what about third party? You mentioned that we can round that picture, that insight. What are the typical ways that a marketeer can gather additional outside of the organization insight that helps to, to show a brighter, wider picture? Yeah, this is just good old fashioned desk research. And there's, you know, there's specialist agencies out there that will uh, very good at this of unearthing, uh, mapping the organization, looking at what that organization's business plan is, what are they trying to achieve in the you know, next five years? What's the board report saying? What's the overall umbrella strategy? Where's this where's this business looking to go um, where we might be able to assist them on that journey? Um, there is enormous amounts of information out there if if you know where to look so uh, that's one source there the other is obviously data in terms of things like intent data uh, who's in market at the moment and you can plug your existing accounts into those platforms um, and actually see that perhaps uh, an existing client is uh, trending on a specific topic that you hadn't put them you know in, in an area that you hadn't anticipated so it can help open shine light in in new areas uh, that you you might want to point your sales team at interesting and, and i suppose as you said this isn't exactly new it's just some of the, the the kind of foundations of good marketing is to remind yourselves of what you might have been taught or done earlier in your career that you've just not got to is that where are those pockets of of research that just help around the picture rather than working on subjectivity that is is a classic human trait rather than a marketing or sales trait is is out of date thinking Andy thinks that this company is only capable of buying this product line uh, and has missed the point because they just don't have that full picture 
Um, what about um, what about that intent? Does that mean right now that that gives us that agility? Um, as you said, it, it, the hope is, Andy, as you've said, that we continue some of the, the habits and patterns. It won't necessarily go back to how it was. But do those sources of data give us that much more current view on actually this is a company or an industry even that we weren't expecting uh, to to focus on. But this data is telling us they may well be a real opportunity that we may not have flagged. Uh, without this 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 insight, this information flowing into the business, I think it provides the the balance to what sales are telling you with what's actually going on in the market. And I think that, you know, as I said earlier, both both are important. Um, but I think the danger is that if you if you, you know, salespeople are very good at selling, so they'll tell you exactly why a certain account should be in the program. They'll tell you everything they know about that business, and they'll they'll attempt to steer you. Uh, you being marketing in terms of look this is what we should be doing but there is always a bigger picture so I think it's you know it's like anything it's a balanced diet uh, really between between the two and, and you know intent isn't everything intent data isn't the the uh, the, the holy grail but it adds it can add uh, an enormous amount of value I think I think also you know this is ABM's providing a framework uh, for change and it's providing the impetus for a new way of thinking um, and rather than just being a shiny new toy um, it does act as, I, as a catalyst for, for transformation and I think that's you know in terms of you you asked a question earlier you know what, a, what, what how should people start out on this whether they're or, uh, on ABM or, or, or address their current program it's really making sure that we're not allowing our approach to become eroded back into what we were doing before. Uh, the real win is the transformation, the way of thinking, the approach. And it's you've got to doggedly hold on to those because where it goes wrong or where it fails to meet expectation is when we slide back into doing what we were doing before because it was easier. Um, I talk very much around the, the difference between the ideological form of ABM and the silver bullet uh, quick fix plaster and there is a difference um, between the two. Interesting and and once we've got this program you mentioned um, Andrea, Andrea Fujitsu and there's other brands that have won awards have been recognized for this but for those that may not get the accolades in that way how, what's this measure of success Andy if we start or revisit our ABM what are, what are the key metrics and, and measures or indicators that say yeah actually this is doing something of value is it as easy as this client's retained, they've generated a new opportunity, or is there a more subtle view in the mm. short term, at least, of what, knowing that you're going mm. in the right direction? I'll, I'll point you back to the, the, the value pyramid, which has got these- Yeah, APIs sure, and we'll share that, Andy, as part of this post, so people can have a look. Um, and this, I've sort of given typical KPIs uh, through, that, through that journey. I think if you, were to, if you were to summarize it in one word, if you want one, a one word answer, um, I'd say sentiment um, in term and mutual confidence as, as in the sales operations confidence in this account and the sentiment that they are receiving from that business in terms of their willingness to engage, the ease of 
uh, engagement with that account, you know, to, from the point of, you know, I pick up the phone and, 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 and I can actually get through to someone or I, you know, just in the natural course of business, sales are seeing a, a mood change, if you like, a, a, a willingness to engage. And likewise, confidence from the other perspective in terms of the account's confidence in us, as in they've, we've, you know, the familiarity breeds contempt. And, and, and what I mean by that is that it's, you know, through a long-term relationship with an existing account, it's very easy for them to put you into a box and say, oh, that's what they do for us. I was on a call just the other day with a really, one of the leading cloud tech vendors. Uh, I, I won't mention their name. And they were saying the biggest problem we have is that our clients put us into a box and they think that's what we do. But in fact, we do a whole lot more. So if we can change the sentiment, make, uh, educate if you like, but, but broaden our, our customers' thinking so they realize that we can deliver a lot more and we're seen really as more of a strategic supplier than just a tactical point solution. That's, that's a real win. Mm, okay. And, and when we've had that win, Andy, of course, we toast our success, whether it's an award. But as Shane and I started this podcast, it was all around toasting and chatting about things over a gin and tonic, which <laughs> if we change the topic, uh, I know is something that's very close to your heart. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your project there? That when you're not just oh, ABMing, you've got many other skills. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Yeah, no. So, um, well, gin's been gin's been the flavour of the moment for a while, and and uh, I live in a little village called Thames Ditton uh, near Kingston, and uh, I think there was a bunch of us in the in the pub on a Friday night, and one of them said, uh, "I think we should do a Thames Ditton gin," and we said, "You know, can we do that? How, how do we do that?" And um, we literally developed a, a product over the kitchen table. Uh, based all around Hampton Court, which is quite close to us, um, uh, developed a batch. Did a, did our first batch of uh, I think six hundred bottles, um, and uh, we thought, well, if you know if this doesn't sell, what we're going to do with it? Um, maybe we can give it to some friends, uh, and we sold that within two weeks. Um, wow! And sold uh, five thousand bottles last year. So, um, what was a little project, a little bit of fun, a community spirit, um, oh, has you know we've really it's been taken to to people's hearts. And it's a great little project because it really gets us uh, out there and talking to people at the local farmers market, and it's it's a it's a it's a lovely bit of fun, really. So, if anyone wants to try a new gin, um, it's uh, it's very citrusy based. Uh, it's very it's uh, women love it because it hasn't got the bitterness of uh, of normal gin it's not acidic so um, well, men as well i'm beyond that on, on that list i think andy as i'll well. send you a bottle for everybody oh well that's very kind but where, if somebody wanted to go and have a look where do we find it on the on the web thames as in the river ditton d-i-double-t-o-n gin.com thames ditton gin.com fab so once we've once we've reviewed or started our abm program that's the place we go and toast oh, our success fantastic See, Shane, that's how you know you've got somebody who understands ABM. They have the time and the inclination to brew themselves or to still themselves, in this Andy's case, their own gin to toast their success. Um, some really interesting points there from a man who knows his stuff with ABM, probably knows his stuff with gin, but the way to find that out is to go and find yourself Thames Ditton. Uh, but also, interestingly, he's a trustee of Serve as well. So when we were chatting earlier in the week, I was very lucky to get hold of him because he's volunteering his time uh, running blood up and down the country to help out local hospitals. So a good man and a good egg all round. But some really nice points in there, Shane, if you are going to get started. 
Yeah, I think we've lost our entire audience to thinking about <laughs> gin instead. And having tasted the Thames Ditton gin, as you say, from a true gentleman, Andy, um, it's difficult to bring the mind back to where we started, which is account-based marketing and sales. Um, but I'll do that. Uh, I think that coming back to where we started and thinking about the week we have had, I happen to know that you were busy at the beginning of the week doing some ABMS training. So what are the frameworks and models that you find useful when you do this? Yeah, it's more advisory actually, but working with a client that we've worked with for a number of years, um, global brand who works in, um, uh, how can I put this without giving away, fuels, um, energy, all sorts of different divisions like that. Uh, and ABM is a really important one for them. They sell into spaces like um, aerospace. So very large global brands that ABM is very applicable. Uh, but the challenge right now is, of course, because a lot of their um, customers are airlines and organizations that are not doing the normal trade. So it's not as appropriate to try and sell to them. But what's interesting is they're trying to assess how they pivot their behavior to still use the good practice they've learned with ABM to get closer to those organizations, but in an environment now where they may not get the same reward or the same value. So interestingly, um, Andy mentioned the value pyramid for ABM that he developed. That's really helpful. And we were looking at this um, very weak that particular thing just to give a framework to say well hold on the KPIs the hard versus the soft KPIs may be different now to perhaps they were three months ago to what they may be in three or six months time as we begin to come back into some kind of normality. Absolutely and I think the point you make there about doing things differently now is so true for anybody doing account-based marketing and sales because actually the whole thing as you say is about being close to those accounts and if you're in a market that's completely collapsed um, you need to be doing something different for them and as you say, making sure that they know that you're there for the long term. And we touched on it before in, in one of our earlier podcasts, but you know, now is a great time to to do research into your markets. So maybe there are some um, top accounts that haven't had an ABM approach that you could be using this or looking at the messaging you're sending out. I think that's really important. This deep research into what your top spending accounts want right now is super, super important. Yeah, it's a good point. And interestingly as well, actually, it reminds me of something that uh, we worked on many years ago uh, around trying to find the sleeping giants. So there could also be, to that exact point, organizations that are on your customer base that perhaps aren't buying as much as others, but the potential for them is there. The potential's always been there. Or maybe to your point, because the world's changed very quickly, organizations that wouldn't have necessarily fared well on um, some kind of segmentation pyramid. So Andy talks about one-to-one -one versus one-to-few versus one-to-many with ABM. That could well be that you've got clients in that mid-tier that are worth the attention now because they've got suddenly great potential compared to um, where they were. I think that's a fantastic point. And anecdotally, I heard a really important example of that is that law firms have been slower than most to invest in, in new technology, a um, bit of a wait and see. But actually, there's been a real wake up call with the working from home and particularly for some of the global uh, law firms that their technology across the world is not equal um, and that some of their colleagues are really struggling uh, to join international calls and things um, with 
really important decisions to be made. So I think the acceleration and, you know, everybody's talking about it. Money is being poured in by some sectors into digital transformation um, by sectors that weren't spending before. Mm, that's the thing. There is always upside to the downside in terms of looking more laterally. It, it brings you back actually to that good practice around ABM is doing the research and the insight first. Um, not only so you're not working on subjective or out of date opinion. Again, Andy mentions how salespeople only know what they know, but that's not about salespeople. That's about all of us. So it could uncover that there are opportunities um, with existing customers, but it's still not off the table to sell as well, Shane. There may well be opportunity to bring in net new business right now because of these areas that are in growth. Um, Completely. One of the points that actually I am really passionate about is using ABMS when you're going into um, contract renewal, for example, or whether when you're about to land a net new client and ABMS can work with a really tailored approach really well for that. Mm, interesting. Well, assuming we've still got people, given that we did get Andy off into the world of gin, um, the only thing I can think of that would be good alongside a gin is a takeaway, Shane. And I know you've got some thoughts or some <laughs> takeaways. Sorry about that. Some takeaways for uh, how you might get going with this. Any other thoughts to just add to what Andy's told us today? Yeah, I mean, it, emphasizing the importance, as you said, of selecting the right accounts for this approach and revisiting at the moment to make sure you are putting the effort into the right area. We've talked about enhancing data, building out the number of stakeholders that you can reach in an organisation. And again, with salespeople um, moving to social selling more rapidly because of the world we're in now, actually time on researching and helping them to understand how they research deep accounts along with the fact that marketing can give them help doing that um, is a good way to spend some time at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot you can do yourselves. But of course, there are others you can lean on as well. And not only are there some great examples of of agencies and, and clients that have, have got exemplar work out there, there are lots of partners in this space, not just the technology, but lots of different aids that may well help you if you're starting this journey or reviewing your journey. I think that working with someone who's been there done it got the t-shirt you know there are fantastic experts we're very fortunate in the UK like Andy Robert Norum yourself I know you do some uh, around ABM I love doing ABMS work but we've also got incredible agencies as well and one of the things I think agencies bring is that independent lens it's very difficult when you're really close to a market to see things differently and I've worked with the likes of Transmission really B2B Agent 3 and in fact I just saw on LinkedIn that Ernest have produced a new guide yeah, really nice piece of work from um, from Ernest uh, based in London. So um, they're amazingly bespoke marketing, their take on ABM, uh, which, as you'd imagine from Ernest, is a very creatively, uh, really creative way to look at something that is a bit perhaps, well, it's been so um, trumpeted over the last couple of years, even a bit tired. They've got a really nice five steps as well, Shane, that you may have had a chance to look at some very good content. If you go and have a look at Ernest ernest-agency.com. I think you'll find them over there. It's a really nice thing to take a look at. Yeah, and I'll post out some of the award winners that have taken my eye on LinkedIn as well. Some of the ABMS recent award winners with B2B marketing. Again, some great case studies there of the companies doing it brilliantly. Fabulous. And, And I guess the other thing to remember there is it doesn't have to be people in your own industry. 
Um, often we look for case studies that are very close to home, but I think that can often be a bit myopic. We'd be certainly uh, worth looking at other completely different industries, um, maybe different spaces entirely or even different geographies. There's always an essence that we can take from, from best practice to, to use for ourselves. Great tip to finish on, I think, Steve. Lovely. All right, Shane, thanks ever so much. Thanks for listening. That's the end.